So, who are you? My name is Beverly Williams. And um, we're here this morning. This is Sunday, November the 17th, yeah, 2019, to talk to you about some of your career experiences. But first, I didn't mention this before, um, after uh, coming to New York, you worked in the banking industry, is that correct? Yes. Okay, and can you um, describe what some of your job functions were in the bank? While I was working in the bank, I started started working in the bank as an encoder operator, which is that routing number and your account number and the check number and check amount, putting that on checks. That was my original job. So once you um, performed that experience, you moved on to do what? Then after that, I was working part-time at that particular time. And then after that, I got, after three months, um, they asked if I would, would be interested in taking on a full-time position, which I was. And then I was changed upstairs from the fifth floor to the sixth floor. And I started doing um, machine proof um, reconciliation, meaning that at the end of the day, we would have to reconcile accounts um, that came in from the various banks. So what would happen if the numbers wouldn't add up? Uh, we had to stay and prove them out. It wasn't a chance. You had to find out what was the problem. It when was, you say proving out, what does that mean? Meaning at the end of the day, you had to figure out why there was a discrepancy between what the operators came back with you with and what the deposit said. I see. Okay. Was this all in the same institution? Yes. I worked at Manufacturers Hanover Trust. And before you left Manufacturers, what was your last position? Well, after I did proof reconciliation, then I became a supervisor of the department. And then eventually I became a manager, um, which is also known as an official title of the department. And then from there, I was given a technical position for writing um, PC software, um, technical manuals, and I became an assistant secretary. That was my final position when I left the bank after 20 years. When you were doing PC software work, do you remember approximately what year that was? Uh, that was in, when PCs were just becoming popular. Um, back in the early 80s, like maybe 84, 85. As I remember, after we met, you're the first person who exposed me to Microsoft Word and Microsoft Excel, which is the spreadsheet version of Microsoft, part of the Windows program, and it was in the early 80s. Um, but I think, if I can recall correctly, didn't you have some knowledge of some of the computer languages? Yes, we had to write programs in what was known back then as DBase, which was the software that drove a lot of the DOS application programs, which the computers ran under. I see. And I always thought that was fascinating. And pioneering work at the time, it's particularly considering that nowadays people just take computers and programming and all these kind of things for granted. Because I think for most consumers nowadays, it's a black box kind of um, perspective where they push buttons and stuff. They have 
half of them have no idea what's underneath all that stuff. Not that it's that important, but it's fascinating that um, part of your career was some of the cutting-edge work in reference to computer work. And I think, um, I may be mistaken, but I think a lot of your family members don't even know that you did that kind of stuff. That's Probably not, because <laughs> we really didn't talk a lot about what we did at work. When we got home, it was all about family and friends. That's great. Um, when you were in high school, uh, well, first of all, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. Where did you finish in your class? Uh, when I graduated high school, I was number three out of about 300 and some odd students. And your aspirations in terms of careers, do you remember anything particular that you had thought about doing or dreamt about doing or envisioned doing yes, as an adult? Yes, when I was in high school, I was interested in science. I always excelled at science and math. So I was actually interested in becoming a lab technician. And I have that in my yearbook. Oh, I didn't know that. I, you know, do you still have your yearbook? Yes, I do. Oh, I need to take a look at that. Okay, that's fascinating. And um, I think you had mentioned something to me about chemistry. Am I correct? No. Oh, okay. Where did I get that from? Maybe that was your brother or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I remember the science issue. Uh, fast forwarding to um, your second career, or at least the second one that I'm aware of, aspiration, um, that was an education, am I right? Yes. After um, we relocated to New Jersey, um, I had an opportunity to, because when I left the bank, I was fortunate enough to get a package, which meant that I got a full year of unemployment plus a full year of my salary. So I really didn't have to start working immediately. So I had an opportunity to reassess where did I want to go in my educational and career goals. And I decided I would go back to my first love, science. And I then attended Stockton, um, which is a school that's located here in the area. And I completed um, my all of my education requirements for a certification in biology there. I see. And um, you started as a, a biology educator, is that correct? Yes. Luckily, once I finished Stockton, because um, I finished Stockton in January and um, during that time before school started in September, I was lucky enough to do sub at both um, at Absagami High School. And there I interacted with um, a science supervisor that saw my potential as a science teacher and recommended that I apply to that district for a position in September. They had an opening at Absagami, which is where I subbed, and they also had an opening at Absagami at Oakcrest, which was a little further away, and I chose Oakcrest after going there for only one day because I liked the environment better. Oakcrest is in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Absagami is in, I guess we would call it now Galloway, New yes. Jersey. Is that right? Okay. About 10 minutes from where we live. That is correct. And we're in Galloway, but also this area is known as Smithville, New Jersey. Um, in your beginning of your um, educational career, what do you think were the most challenging things in reference to um, your your job? Um, I think the major um, challenges was um, 
getting comfortable with discipline because when you're working with adults, it's different. And I'd always worked in business working with adults. So working with um, young people, it's very different because I was working at the high school level and mainly with ninth and 10th graders. And a lot of them are still immature and you have a lot of behavior issues. So I think that was my greatest task was um, being a fair disciplinarian as well as trying to make sure that I got the content that the kids needed across as well. I just had a quick question about the length of your careers. How long were you in the bank? 20 years. And how long were you an educator? 20 years. So that's 40 years of work, which is commendable. That's um, certainly you have earned your uh, stripes in reference to that work and doing an excellent job in both. After um, getting your feet on the ground as an educator, what did you find in, in reference to your would you say were your more positive experiences as an educator? Uh, the positive experience was naturally when you saw kids um, understanding what you were teaching. Um, the ability to reach out to and make a difference in some of the kids' lives because um, some of them looked at me as a person that they could confide in, as a person that they felt comfortable with as a teacher, um, and also just the fact that sometimes they really got what I was teaching. And since I was teaching biology, it's not the easiest subject to teach. And most kids do not like the intensity of biology because it's very detailed, very oriented um, subject. So it's kind of challenging as a teacher to teach that subject. Did you find any experiences with the um, students' parents to be um, worth commentary today? Well, my experiences with the teacher, um, the parents of my students, well, I always set goals at the beginning of the year. Um, we always had like a back-to-school night, and I always presented to my parents exactly who I was, um, what they could expect from me, my goals for my class that year. I gave them my grading schemes. I gave them telephone numbers to reach out to me too. Um, and I explained to them what I was looking for and at the end of the year what I expect from the students. Um, so most of my interactions have been positive. Um, when they weren't, I was always able to explain to the parents why um, I did what I did. And then they understood uh, where I was coming from. Having known you over all these years, and I'm sure your family members would also um, vouch for this, you've always been very detail-oriented. How long do you think it took either the students and or the parents to figure out that you always had all your ducks lined up in a row and that when you spoke, you certainly had evidence behind that to support whatever you said? Um, yeah, I'm a very detail, and I think a lot of it was because of my time in business, um, that I was very good at um, writing things down. Documentation was very important in the business environment. So I took all those skills that I'd learned in business and brought it to the educational um, thing. Because in business, you have to plan, you have to organize, you have to document. So as a teacher, they are highly um, needed skills as well. 
So because I was familiar with doing it, it was very easy for me to document everything, um, be very organized. And it was, like I said, it's just a matter of getting used to um, a time frame that you had a certain amount of information you had to impart to the students in a certain period of time and to make sure that they got it. Education, like other hot-button areas, always is a um, controversial, um, what's the word I want to use, venue, and um, a hot issue because particularly when it involves our children and their futures, et cetera, et cetera. Did you find that any of the governmental implementations, such as No Child Left Behind or other programs like that, how much of an impact, either positive or negative, do you think, or I should say, what was your opinion about some of those kind of programs? Maybe that's the better question. Okay. Well, a lot of the programs um, were kind of based on um, statistics, which um, it's not always a good um, determine whether kids are learning or not. Um, I always felt that all kids should be taught the same thing, that they should be on the same level as to how maybe necessarily just saying no child left behind and then doing nothing to support that. The premise is good, but you have to follow up with how are you supporting the teachers to make sure that all children will succeed. Are you giving them the resources that they need? Are you making sure that the correct teachers in the correct classroom teaching the right material? Um, so one thing is saying no child left behind, but if you don't support the teachers that are working with the students and just depend on a test, then that's not a good situation because some kids are getting the best preparation for the test. Others are not being prepped at all. So it's going to be an unequal situation in that case. As so a, the premise is always good when they think of these ideas, but the follow-up is what's missing. Well, observing you as a non-educator, you seem to be a role model. But there were probably some of your peer people who actually weren't um, necessarily holding up to standard. Not that we want to necessarily cast negative aspersions on some educators, but what were some of the things you observed in some of your peers that probably should have been um, not done or probably not uh, necessarily uh, acted upon with some of your co-workers, fellow educators? Well, to be honest, in the science department, we were a very um, strong team. Um, so I can't really say anything negative about anyone in the science department because of the type, the volume that we have to cover in a short period of time. You know why I mentioned this? This is because a lot of lay people who have no connection with education at all are very critical. of One of the first things they want to do is blame the educator, blame the teacher. So that's why I asked that question. Yeah, because basically as a whole, um, in my school, I can only talk about Oak Crest where I taught. Most of the teachers, I can't think of any one teacher that ever said to me that, just forget about this, I'm not interested in kids, and I just throw up anything. 
they were all very dedicated. They were interested in making sure the kids did the best, um, you know, and always presented um, information, like I said, that I saw. Maybe there were teachers. I've heard stories from the kids, but then you can't always depend on the students because I used to always say when they said a teacher wasn't doing this or wasn't doing that, I also have to remember the student that was talking to me and what he did in my class as well. So um, sometimes they're not able to see the big picture of where the teacher is going. And sometimes um, what they consider as not doing something might be a new approach to the way they were teaching the lesson. So, but I've always felt that most of the teachers I work with were very dedicated and put a lot of thought into what they presented to the students. That's excellent. Now, you've taught many students over the years. Without, of course, you're not going to name any names, but some of your students have probably gone on to do some um, extraordinary things. In general, can you think of any of your students that went on to do career things or have made an impact since they graduated from Oak Crest High School? Uh, I don't keep up with a lot of my students, um, but... The ones that have that came back while I was still teaching um, have come back, and a lot of them have gone into science, and they said they attributed that to me. Uh, one young lady named Beth, um, she went on to, was doing um, science at a school in um, Pennsylvania. Um, one of my, um, Kasaya, um, she's at ACC teaching chemistry, I think, um, the last I heard. So there were some students that have moved on and branched into science, um, and a lot of them said it was because of uh, me teaching and working with them in science. Uh, a lot of the students that I taught um, did very well and went on to very um, good schools. I had a, one young lady that was accepted at um, Hartford, uh, um, I'm sorry, Harvard. Um, I had another student um, that was accepted at Princeton um, you know, so a lot of them have done well over the years. Didn't you mention there were two young ladies? They, um, you said they were some of the brightest students that you'd ever met, but they ended up doing something else instead of going into um, further uh, training. What did they do? Do you um, remember those young ladies? Yes. Um, ooh, this was back in the late, maybe 1998. I had a very um, bright student in my class, and they decided to go into missionary work. Um, they felt that's where they were needed most. Um, they were excellent students, and I just hope some of that education eventually um, they chose to go back to school. You talked about their intellect um, uh, because I remember your comments. It seemed that they were extraordinary. Were these the kind of people you thought that had to study hard, or they just... They just had it. As a science teacher, um, there are certain students that come to you and they have it. It's very little that you have to do. Because I always talk about a class I had um, maybe maybe about four years ago, um, just before I retired. Um, when I met them as ninth graders and they were just so good that I predicted that these people would be in the top 10% of their class, and they were. 
not only the top 10%, they were the top 10 of the school. Of that class, nine students made the top 10. There was only one student, and I didn't teach that student that was number one, and they weren't in my class. But I'm sure if I had met that student, I would have said the same thing about her. That's excellent. Um, If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a question in terms of motivation. Now, you know, can you briefly describe sort of the kind of environment you grew up in, your siblings, parents? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to name names. In fact, we'd prefer you not necessarily name anybody's name. But what was the background? What was the environment that you grew in, grew up in that has stimulated you to be such an excellent student and an excellent professional? Well, um, my home life was my mom and my dad and there's seven of us um, total in my family. And um, as we grew up, um, education was always very important in my family. Um, it was not talked about a lot, but it was expected. Um, my mom always, we had to do our schoolwork. We couldn't do anything before we came home and do our schoolwork. Then we could go outside and play. Um, my dad, even though he only went to the eighth grade, was a reader. Um, it was never a day he did not read the paper. And I mean, he read it from the top to the bottom, every page. Um, so we kind of grew up around people that were interested in education, talked about their family, because my m- mother always talked about um, her grandfather who had um, gone to Allen University. Um, my mom went to Mars College in Sumter. Um, so, and she was, uh, before she started having seven children, she also was a teacher as well. So um, it was always a part of our lives. Like I said, it wasn't every day, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. They were not that kind of people. They were just people that showed us by example what was important. That's superb. You know, the reason why um, this podcast from this perspective exists is basically to lay a marker for just bits of information for our young people. Is there anything that you would like to say to our younger generations that are coming up, not only broadly, but also particularly in our own family? What kind of words of advice would you give them? I guess the main thing I want to say is to remind them that learning comes from within. And what I'm saying is that a teacher is not what makes you learn or You have to want it. You have to want education. You have to have an inquiring mind. You have to reach out there and want something more than what you have. So I always said learning is a lifelong experience that you're constantly learning, that you constantly want to achieve more. So I think that's my thing. Just remember that it's up to you, not the teacher. I used to always tell the teachers, I can get up, my students, that I could get up and um, teach f- for an hour, two or three hours. But the learning comes from you. What you, what do you want to get out of what am I talking about? What's in it for you? And I think that's the main thing is that you have to want what the teacher is giving and you have to take it in and make it yours. And then you'll be able to achieve whatever you want to in the future. 
Well, it took months and months and months, but we finally got you behind a microphone. Yes. My and Mrs. I'm pulling teeth. <laughs> by pulling my teeth. Beverly <laughs> Johnson, middle name Ann. And um, it's been a pleasure asking you these questions. Is there anything as we um, sort of wrap this up that you want to say? Yes. Please don't put this on the air. <laughs> I certainly will. Have a great Let day. Let me hear it first. Because <laughs> no. Thank you. Okay. It is uh, Sunday. It's, um, what time is it? It's something. 12.07. 12.07. And uh, we're about to wrap it up here in the operating room. This is DJD saying, um, thanks so much for my lovely wife giving the interview. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for this uh, amazing woman who I've had the pleasure of being with all the over these years. So we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>